Well, it's time for yay or nay, and we're going to have an opener for this segment very shortly, but we're in- introducing a third member of yay or nay today. He's, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. He's one of the very best newsbreakers in Melbourne when it comes to football. His name's Mark Stevens. He's looking a little bit more like Craig Gabriel today with that Lacoste top on. Hello, yeah. Steve-O. Yeah, g'day, Matty. I'm, I'm a bit of a Lacoste operator, actually. Uh, so I've heard. Low cost. <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> Um, Matty Stewart yeah, is a forger's a footscray type of operator. I am a bit. I've yet again <laughs> is that still going? An, an it's some bargains. Yeah, there. no, these, <laughs> these are designer stains. Hey, um, <laughs> we, actually, we have a guest. We have a phone-up. Do we? Yeah. 1300-652-927 if you'd like to add to the long list of guests that we've got. Colin joins us. Hello, Colin. Hi, guys. How are you uh, going? Matt and uh, Steve. Yeah. Yes. You want to talk about Captain Ravishing? Well, he's here. Well, it's, it's not actually about Captain Ravishing, but uh, something that was said yesterday. Uh, with you, last week you said, uh, I think, three runs, multiply them, it comes up $16, and then someone said yesterday, yeah, but they'd only give you $10. Because I've always of, had yeah. a bug bugbear with the bookies when you take two horses. Cups they doubles, set, yep. they set the odds. They set the odds two or three months out, and uh, that's their evaluation of what the horse should be. But if you take the same horse, they cut those odds dramatically. Now, we'll just take Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup, for instance. Um, how many horses would, you know, early nominations? 200, 300 yep. that would be in mm-hmm. both races? Right. They, they cut everybody's. Only one horse can, can double up and win. But every horse that they take bets on, uh, if, the, if, the, if the odds come up 100 to 1, the double or 200 to 1 or 500 to 1, whatever it is, they'll cut that just about in half. Uh, yep. And I, yeah. I, I don't see there's a reason for it. They say, yeah, but if you back the, the Caulfield Cup winner at, at, and it's uh, 25 to 1 and it's 25 to 1 for the Melbourne Cup, after the Caulfield Cup uh, thing, it'll come into 8 to 1. But, but to me, that's bullshit. Uh, uh, because they do it on every horse, and only one horse can win. And if you go in the history of the Caulfield Melbourne Cup for the last 130 years, whatever it is, how many how many horses have doubled up and won both cups? Yeah, no, it's, true. It's, I think it's, it's got to do with bookmaker liability. I, someone more learned than me on this will know. And for some reason, I've got a weird memory of it of it going right back to the Amunus Amunus Melbourne Cup double wrought the year Farlap won the Melbourne Cup and Amunus won the Caulfield Cup. Yep. the stablemates. I think that triggered. But I might be wrong. I think, Colin, it's got something to do with bookmaker liability. But when it comes to punters blowing about bookmakers, of course I'm on your side. But also, at the same time, you, if you're prepared to, to put the bet on in the first place, well, they're the odds they're giving you. You, can, you don't have to bet sometimes. I think sometimes we do get carried away. You don't actually have to bet. Yeah. But anyway, I, I, Cole, I, I, good I on agree, you, mate. I agree with Colin's point, though, as mm. well. It, the odds that you're taking, well, you're taking unders anyway on futures markets nearly every time. So yeah. you're going to take more significant unders when you're having a double. Someone might be able to clarify this because I, I have this weird feeling it had something to do with Amunus into Farlap and there was a bit of a sting uh, with the stable of the Farlap was never going to run in the Caulfield Cup and then Amunus pulled off the double at big odds. But I might be completely wrong, but I know that did happen. But whether that triggered this unders for same-same in the Cups. 1300 to, to give us a call and jump on the lines. Maybe just, if you could... Keep the other words to within the English language. Is Mikey probably... any danger he can hit the button? Oh, we can't. We, we actually uh, can't hit ooh, it. Steve, we're in. Del- we're out of delay as we take live racing throughout the show, so we have to yes. be careful taking callers. So if the, call- the computer screen's yeah. developed a mind of its own, own too. My my uh, my um, 
live rundown just galloped off the screen for the tenth time. I don't know. I think that the junior out the back's fiddling around again. <laughs> Apprentice Mick, yeah. we're, we're getting uh, we're galloping off the track a little bit here. We should just veer back onto the track for a moment for yay or nay. And we've brought Steve O in for some specific reasons because there's some interesting topics that cross codes a little bit here, Matthew. Um, I want to ask you the first question. Yesterday, off the back of what. Matt Welsh had to say, the Executive General Manager of Racing at Racing Victoria. What was the thing that you had the biggest issue with, with what he said yesterday? I, the, the thing that I'm wondering about with all of this is that there is an admission from the, those pushing this that there is a risk and there's an element of gamble and guessing. Uh, I just don't... To me, I can't reconcile changing something that's proven to be successful for a variety of reasons that if you're going to move it there's that there's any element of of uh taking a calculated risk mm. because the, the by definition a calculated risk there is a potential downside to it as well so uh and i i, I think they have to still think through implications for autumn and things like that and 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 potential implications of peter volandi's whacking on a replacement race on the same date and disrupting our momentum through our super saturdays Mm. so i think and the timeline they have given for the next two or three weeks for this to be resolved is we need some clarity on how they assess those potential risks and whether they come to the conclusion that they're worth taking Mm. gee it's a a talking point do you think off the back of the the conversation yesterday, that the Cox Plate will move now or not? My the Jungle Drums suggested it it may be delayed a year, okay. um, and I think if if they're going to press with something so dramatic, I think they owe it to everyone to give it a bit more oxygen and a bit more time to to answer the questions that they know they need to ask and answer. So my gut feel on this, and, and just putting my sporting hat on, would yep. be give more notice than than they're giving at the moment. I think it's too short a time frame to do it now. Let's give it about a 16-month lag. Get everyone used to it. Farewell uh, the usual uh, time frame this year and then bring it in the year after. So everyone can just get their head around it. It seems rushed to me personally to change it. Things are creeping up. We're almost in footy season. Ray's about to join us. He's got a question for one of us. It is something that the AFL has done often in the past, isn't it, Steve-O? Sort of sounded out Mm. the the vibe in the public before they've made a big change, whether that's with a rule or something else. They've sort of just floated it, whether it's been dropped through the news or something like that, similarly to how this has been done. Yeah, leak back page, put it out there, see what people think, Mm. and then go from there. But normally with the AFL as a lag, they wouldn't make a call on this. They'd say, look, they'll never change the grand final, but if they did, they'd say, "We're, we're doing it in 2024. Johnny Dowes just texted me and said the the Cups double unders stuff started with Even Stevens uh, mm. when Even Stevens won the, the double-double back in the 50s, 60s. I'll have to uh, work on that. Dowie, uh, send us the year. Uh, Ray from Terrelgan has got some information on the Farlap Caulfield Cup story. G'day, Raymond. G'day, how are you? Very well. Uh, was I sort of half right with the Amunis Farlap story? Yes, you're... Partly right. What what happened was is because this, this has been handed down from my generations, is the um, the, the guy who owned Amunus had Amunus and the Caulfield Cup going into Farlap into Amunus uh, into Farlap for a million pound, and the the syndicate was told told the owners that is if you run Farlap and the Caulfield Cup, we'll shoot it. Yeah, 
and that was the story mm. of the mm. the attempted shooting of Farlap, wasn't it? That was that was when I attempted also to try and uh, get, get, take him out in the Melbourne Cup because that, they stood to lose too much money. Million pounds back in 1930 <laughs> is an unimaginable amount in 2023, Ray, isn't it? You're looking around about a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. Or more. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. so... so, But yeah. was there any connection to this and the the reason why bookmakers offer lesser odds for the same horse winning a double? No, I don't know anything about the, the bookmakers odds, yeah. but, I, but I do know what happened during that. When the pilot won the Melbourne Cup, and it was a long odds on to win the Caulfield Cup, and, and the owner's... Um, around a Munis, um, he had um, Munis going, like I said, with Farlap. For, he, he stood to win um, Too much. a million, a million mm. pounds, so they threatened the, the owner of the Farlap. You run it, we'll shoot it. Mm. And, I, and then, they, then they tried to get it anyway in the Melbourne Cup with a shotgun. Yeah, Ray, thanks for jumping on, Good on you, Ray. and shedding some light on that. Uh, there must be a formula with this, Matt, as well, that they work out the actual odds, then shave off, I don't know, 50%. Someone will know what the, the, the Well, Johnny Sweeney, but... who dates back to the 1870s, has just uh, texted me and said that the even Stephen's mail's not right, or whether it's the Amunas. So right. Johnny Sweeney uh, will text me complete clarification to answer this. All right. We'll continue on with the A&A. And this, we're going to go a little bit differently here, Matt. So there was a story in the UK that alluded to the potential for dress code regulations to be dropped. Is that right? Yep. Yep. So... Would you like to see something similar happen at Victorian race clubs in the biggest times of the year? Well, they're trying a lot of things to try and solve the problem of why people aren't going to the races anymore. So we tried relaxed racing a few summers ago. Well, you know, um, if, you can, if you, we can let you into the cruise around in board shorts and a T-shirt, then you're more likely to come. I don't. I think it's kind of a distraction. I, I think the the issues with why people aren't going are ones you can't solve. They're technology mm. and affordability. So, wearing shorts and thongs as opposed to a suit and tie is not going to change those factors at all. So, I. It's like, will racing be loved more if you get rid of rid of the whip? Yeah, I don't really think it. I don't think it'll make that much change. Mm. But so relaxation. I know Andrew Jones. Uh, uh, didn't wear a tight Flemington one day, and I thought that was a, a, a nice statement in a way of, uh, you know what, you know, there's there, there's some things that are archaic and some things yep. that are reasonable, and I applaud him for for that sort of stance. It was like it was like a Rosa Parks sort of thing there, Steve. Steve, he... mm. should, should you have to wear a, a suit and tie to the race? No, you shouldn't have to wear a suit and tie. I think ties, mm. as a bit of a fashionista, are on the way out. Yeah. They're almost gone, yeah. and I, I think we need to move with the times. A nice suit and shirt. Yeah. But do you think ample. it will have a meaningful impact on crowds, or is it sort of irrelevant in a way? Uh, I think it's basically irrelevant, but mm. I don't like putting a tie on anymore. And, they are and the you're most probably re- more likely to, to go with a with a you know let a oh. bit of a necklace hang through, or you know have a unbuttoned shirt, and you can do you know swagger through the I, members. I must admit, I'm probably a little bit the opposite because I'm used to coming to work where we we don't have to wear a tie here. We're lucky we're in radio. We're haven't lucky. you seen the memo? Well, I, I don't. <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, we're all so breaching the dress code. A, a, a lot of. Yeah. We're all overdressed. Um, a lot of my mates actually look forward to going to the races mm. because it's an opportunity to actually put Correct. a tie on. Yes. And the we girls, don't get very the girls many like to dress, to dress up. up like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I but agree. there should be more theme days, perhaps a surf day. 
surf day. Yeah, yeah we'll wear your. What are you wearing your quicksilver shorts or something? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I remember Mick Price made the comment a few years ago about with relaxed racing and shortening gaps, and he said, "You know what." It's an event. People look forward to an opportunity to look their best. I mean, we mm. can wear thongs and T-shirts mm. any day of the week. Why mm. would going to the races be any more attractive? For uh, Interesting, I went and bought a, my son a suit for um, his, so, his formal. Mm. What colour? Mm. Uh, black. Yep. And I was talking Forges. to Chris Waller Black. <laughs> and I was talking to the, the guy in the suit, and he said the purchasing of tyres is almost mm. gone. Yes. He said 80% of purchases now are sports jacket and chinos. Yes. He said he barely sells a suit anymore, and he said all of them are the same. Mm. So the era of the suit, thankfully, and tyres are this ridiculous strip of material. And Who invented them? Expensive as well. If you, A good tyre is mm. not cheap. Well, what about the thing you stick in the pocket as well, well pocket that Max square, made yeah, me they, buy? That was 35 bucks. Oh, there you only wear it once yeah. in his life. No, the pocket's square, but you never know how to sit them. There's a certain way you can fold them, but I've just got no idea. I just shoved it, but then the the, the limit of the thing was about an inch down. <laughs> yeah. I'm not shocked. I'm not at all shocked. Steve, there's plenty of footy news out and about at the moment. You broke the story around. Best live musical act you've seen was on the list. Oh, do you want to do that one? Leonard okay. Cohen yeah. at Hanging Rock. Okay. Uh, I was lucky enough to see Oasis at the Forum. And that was great because the venue, a smaller venue, the Forum there in Flinders Street, sensational. That was while I was still going. Oasis? Yeah, it was yeah. a special sort of little geek. Yeah. The Apprentices well, put Foo say? Fighters at Marvel. For, Leonard yeah. Cohen at Hanging Rock. Okay, at Hanging Rock. Wow. And I also yeah, saw right. him at the Hill Winery as well. Hanging Rock, that'd be... Well, the stones it's pretty low key. Rock. You're just on a picnic rug with some pesto and dips, and just sitting back having a <laughs> yes. chill. I mean, you're not really up and about clapping. And Steve Warren and his daughter Lucy <laughs> and Josh, my ex Mel, was with me. There was a group of us, and I swear to God, the bus driver fell asleep at the wheel on the Tullamarine Freeway coming back. <laughs> well, he'd obviously listened to Leonard Cohen. <laughs> Steve, Warren, Steve Warren was next <laughs> to him singing to the bus in a Leonard Cohen voice, and he looked to his left and realised he had to give the bloke a nudge and wake him up. Serious, true story. I would yeah. say my number one would be the the crew that played last night. I saw them in Texas, in Austin, mm. at a festival with Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I wasn't a big fan of the Chili Peppers before that. And they just put on an unbelievable performance. So I can understand what all the, the fuss is about now that they're here in Melbourne at the moment. They're an incredible band. Yeah. Have you, you haven't seen them? No, I haven't. No. no. I, I love haven't. them, though. I'm, I'd, I'd go. Yeah. No, yeah. They're, they're outstanding. All right. Football news. Steve, you broke the big story with Tony Cochran at the yeah, Gold well, he's Coast. Yeah, well, he's done a press conference now. It's now official that yep. he stepped aside. Uh, he, he told the players today and a letter to the members. So, of course, he's been there about seven years. Um, he will stay on until round one. So, in typical Tony Cochran style, it's a farewell-type operation. Mm. He so, has been a very interesting figure, hasn't he? Oh, he, he has. And... I think there's no doubt he wanted to stay on. Um, there was just a push, nudge, nudge, you know, digging the ribs here and there. And I think eventually the AFL, I think, were keen for that era to end. Yep. He was just too outspoken. I'm not sure who the, the – we spoke about this yesterday, who the equivalent in is racing. There's someone in racing apart from you, oh, Matty, that just really just keeps needling away at the authorities and speaks his mind. He's a – I would say is a little bit of Wayne Hawks about Tony Cochran. Just prepared to speak his mind. Quite Apologies, a sm- Tony. A smooth media operator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, that's the similarity yeah. I would draw. Uh, Wayne's no, a super. Good. I love Wayne. Yeah. Wayne's, Wayne yeah. does speak up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he mm. said, look, uh, to be honest, a part of him doesn't want to leave. He said that in the letter. And he said, uh, I've enjoyed communicating and bringing the Gold Coast Suns a voice making a stand for our young club when others basically had an agenda to see us off. Some, no doubt, would argue my voice was too strong. Okay. And the problem is, mm. that I was think, his send-off. Well, I think <laughs> that, that'll be his legacy, won't it, Steve-O? 
Yeah, at least he did have a voice, but he he sort of went renegade on the Tassie situation. He said, we don't need a team in Tassie. And apparently he did that without consulting his board. So Mm. you really need to be sort of a little bit more teamwork, I think, Matty. Yeah. Mick Sharkey's a bit of a left-field operator. He sent in a text. At the driver on the small stage at Big Day Out were absolutely insane. At the drive-in? He just texted me at the drive... Oh, sorry, at the drive-in on a small stage at Big Mm. Day Out were absolutely insane. Sharkey's a regular underground venue type... He goes every yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. I think he, yeah. he's a goes rave a bit emo. I think he wears the black um, Nail polish. shadow and stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, might mascara. Conf- confirmation of that. Uh, what else mm. is happening, Steve? James Heard was on the back page again on the Herald Sun. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? This David Barham, the allegations are that he gave an undertaking that he'd support James if he applied for the job <laughs> to get the job, the coaching job. And of course, Kevin Sheedy was in James Heard's corner too. And then when he saw that basically Sheeds and, and the president were all for it. He decided to apply thinking, well, I'm half a chance to get the job. I yeah. should get the job. And in the end, that all broke down. David Barham went with Brad Scott and Kevin Sheedy, of course, famously come out and said, look, this is, this is, <laughs> it was a 6-1 vote and it's, it's wrong. It's almost laughable looking back on that six-week period, two-month period at the Bombers there, isn't it, Steve-O? It oh. was a remarkable, you know, period there at, at Bomberland. Yeah, and they've gone quiet on it now. Obviously, David Barham hasn't done a lot of media, which is probably a good thing, uh, the way things were going. And even a revelation in this story that uh, James Hurd considered challenging the past president, Paul Brasher, at one stage. That's remarkable. Now, I think most Essendon people want James Hurd back. They just love him. It's like a, a Carlton person loves Sauce or mm. Steve Kernahan. Some people just, uh, they're untouchable, bulletproof. I've probably asked this question before. Is it now too far gone for James to return in some capacity? I think it's too far gone. And, and in Mark Robinson's story, he's suggesting now that Hurd he's finished with Essendon. He'll, mm. he'll never again contemplate returning. Yeah, I agree. I think it's hard to he's see. He's been burnt a yeah. few times. Yeah, And there's only so many times you can get burnt, isn't there? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we probably need to head to a break. Last one before we do on yay or nay. Is there a better contest in sports, Devo, than a test series in India? Uh, probably an Ashes series in England, just. Ooh, the way the ball swings India, around, the first session of an Ashes series is pretty good. But I, I can't wait for India. I think it starts 4 p.m. our time on, on Fox Live. Yeah, yeah 3 p.m., yeah. Like, like how good is that? perfect. Starting tomorrow. It Absolutely is perfect gold. time just to sit through, have a couple of cans. Matty, yep. I'm sure you'll be watching it. It's, uh, you know, apparently mm. Todd Murphy, the Victorians, a chance to debut. in line. In line it's to debut. Two Vicks, I've just been watching footage of they've been mowing the or rolling the pitch and leaving spots free. Saw that, yeah. So they're leaving an area just that where it can turn for the uh, the An aiming spot. An aiming spot yeah. against the Aussie left-handers. Yeah. Mm. Oh, a bit of espy That is espy. <laughs> I love test um, I would say I don't follow boxing at all. It doesn't. It sort of horrifies me in some ways, but I'm addicted to 15 rounders from the 1970s, Ali Frazier, Foreman, okay. uh, all of that. I, I I find that unbelievable. Mm. When we were kings, yes, reasonable show. The boxing heyday is probably before my time. I, I haven't really lived through. Well, the I love the Fennec. Era. Uh, the Fennec era was fantastic. Barry Michael and Lester Ellis. Yeah, that captured us. I, I, I'm as big on the Hagler Sugar Sugar Ray uh, era as uh, and uh, Tommy Hitman Hearns, the the the, the lighter boxers. Mm. But I don't follow it. I don't like it, but I just love something about those, the those, contest. those mm. contests from that era. And just uh, qu- sorry, yeah, Matty, just right. quickly, obviously, round one, Hawthorne Essendon, we revealed on breakfast uh, with half today. That's going to be a big event Hawthorne are doing. There's going to be a huge musical influence, 1980s okay. style. Brian Mannix, All Scott right. Kahn, Dale Ryder. Before the game, yep. 
uh, half time. And I think this is good that clubs are doing this. This is it's for the, the clubs or the AFL. No, Hawthorne's doing yeah. it for '83 reunion, uh, Premiership reunion. So it's real '80s flavour. Uh, mullets will be on. I think. You know, mullets something, are back. Mullets are back. That's something that I think that the league should look at. These individual games, clubs. There's racing. You know, should there be more concerts attracted to racing? So you get your ticket, then afterwards you've got Ice House or someone playing on the lawn. Ice House. Mondo Rock. Uh, Steve-O, wonderful work from you. You've really just come on with a bang this week. Uh, oh. Loved your work on breakfast. Uh, it's unmissable. The big stories get broken every morning from 6am with yourself. So looking forward to tuning in. I'm actually off the next two days, but I will be tuning in. I'll be tuning in wow. at 6. Oh, the on. alarm is set. Jeez. Mark Stevens, our AFL editor, he's the very best news yeah, breaker. a lot of days off, in but the we'll business. do our best tomorrow. Good on you, Steve-O. <laughs>